0: New York he is New York cred that the others don't have Curtis Leewa talk radio 77WABC. This is the theme song of the Warriors. When it first came out, it was considered very controversial on February 8th 1979 as fights broke out in movie houses around the country, even in Fresno, California. And it was just five days later that I officially launched the Guardian Angels as we began the subway, subway patrols in the Bronx. And we were always misconstrued at times by passengers in the beginning as being cast characters of the Warriors. That was the movie that talked about how a charismatic gang leader named Cyrus had summoned all the street gangs in New York City to Van Cortlandt Park, last stop of the number one train. And as he spoke to the gathered throngs of thugs and thuggets, he said, look. are like 80,000 of us, there's like 30,000 cops we can take over this city. And boy, they could have been in the 70s and 80s. And right now, especially in the Bronx, they're pretty much doing that as we speak, but a shot was fired from the crowd. Everybody thought it was the Warriors, and if you remember, the Warriors had to fight their way back. On the last stop of the number one train, all the way to Coney Island, Stillwell Avenue, their home grounds, the D train, and all along the way. It was Warriors, come out and play! Warriors, come out and play! But the reason I play this song is that it is so symbolic of the call of the CEOs, the CFOs, and the COOs of major companies here. Especially in Manhattan, which has become uh, catacombs, at least. Uh, A lot of these office buildings are empty. Office workers have not returned, the majority of which are women. And that means they're not going to be around for the restaurants, bars, and the nightlife. Let's face it, without women... How many guys are going to go to restaurants, bars, and nightlife unless they haven't to like guys? And that's a small percentage of the population. So I felt we would do a sampling here at WABC as um, the Fortune 500 CEOs who never take the subways, never take the buses, they helicopter back and forth to the Hamptons, and they have Jeeves in their black car, their stretch limo, take them from place to place as they demand that their workers return to their offices. But what are the ramifications going to be? We will soon find out. So we figured let's start right here at WABC. On Labor Day itself, the morning show consisted of our owner-operator, great talk show host in his own right, John Katsimatidis, who along with everyone else here celebrating the 100th anniversary of WABC this week, he saved us uh, and resurrected us uh, from the ash heap as if we were uh, Lazarus uh, dead on arrival. This station was going to be off the air. Our former owners, operators, Cumulus, wanted to destroy all their remnants, all their radio stations in New York City. And remember, they started to do it. With their country station, they took it right off the air. With WPLJ, they took it off the air, dead. And the next one lined up was WABC. And just remember, it's almost like that scene out of uh, Goodfellas when De Niro's at the diners wanting to see if Pesci uh, uh, has been ma- a made man and calls up from the payphone, and the guy on the other end, The Gabon says, There's nothing you can do. It's dead. It's dead. That's where we were on life support with Cumulus. They had us on the chopping block. And at the very last second, right before the start of the lockdown and pandemic in March, the papers were signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, John and Margot Katsimatidis of our parent company, Red Apple Media, swooped in and saved us. And we went right back to the top where we had been years before the number one news talk station in the nation. And our hosts and hostesses are known because they got their boots and their six-inch stiletto heels on the ground. Uh, They, in many instances, were born and raised in this city, continue to live in this city. And it's interesting that right out of the box on Labor Day, Andrew Giuliani, son of my Kumbarichich, Rudolph Giuliani, who ran a great race in the GOP primary to become the gubernatorial candidate to take on Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, although he lost by about 20 percentage points, he uh, really did himself well in terms of his aptitude, his cool, calm, collective demeanor, and, boy, he's got a great future, whether it's in politics, talk radio, whatever, because he was joining John Katsimatidis, and right out of the box, city kid that he is. He said that the way he got up to broadcast on Monday morning at 6 o'clock was on the subways. I got to tell you, seeing it on the ground, it's getting worse and worse right now. And I hate to start everybody's Labor Day Monday with bad news. But the the truth is, coming up on the subway on the east side, nice area of the city there, I saw seven or eight people that either were drugged up or were sleeping on the subway there. Unacceptable. And easy answers to this that they just don't ultimately want to execute. Remember, during the campaign, while Andrew was going to an event, an emotionally disturbed guy was attacking a woman in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, Andrew intervened. The emotionally disturbed person started throwing uh, potted plants at him. Andrew did not retreat, did not surrender, uh, and waited there until the cops arrived. So we know this guy can handle himself. The next guy we know can handle himself is Lieutenant Colonel Greg Kelly who oftentimes, uh, before I ran for mayor, I'd run into him on the E-Train. On a regular basis, he was riding the E-Train. He'd be going to Newsmax. I'd be coming here to WABC. I must have seen him four or five times. And then when the lockdown and pandemic came, it seemed less and less. And, in fact, he decided to reconnect and start riding the subway again. And this was his initial observation just yesterday on the show. Uh, back to the city, which is, um, uh, you know, what, what, what do we got out there? What's the word? Anarchy. <laughs> Anarchy. I rode the subway today. Yes, I know. I have not been riding it for uh, many months. I decided to give it a try. It was not pleasant, okay? It was off to a bad start. Walked by two guys who gave me a dirty look. Um, it's one thing to, you know, be ignored, but another thing to get a dirty look. I felt very... Uh, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, I might have said, what are you looking at? <laughs> okay, that would have been a bad thing to say. No, no, it no, wouldn't. that was uh, Greg Kelly then, because he can handle himself. They were eye-fornicating him and mad-dogging him, and this goes on on a daily basis. Okay, so we have two hosts here at WABC, Andrew, who oftentimes substitutes for his daddy. Greg Kelly, son of Ray Kelly, longest-serving police commissioner, tough guy himself marine pilot and then the real city guy nobody can question his credentials dominic carter grew up in the patterson projects 138th and third then the frog's neck projects guy went to teddy roosevelt high school the drugstore on fordham off of webster and this guy had to handle himself and look at what he says about riding the subways On a weekly basis, I have to get my allergy shots. So to get a break, I used to take New Jersey Transit from Suffering down to Penn Station and then get on the subway. I'm not willing to do that anymore. I never thought that I would be afraid to ride the subway. But you could be next. I could be next. Now think of that. City guy, Dominic Carter, he's not riding the subways. So how the hell are you going to get people back into the offices We're close to 60% of the offices in Manhattan are vacated, especially in Midtown, Monday through Fridays? If the majority of the office workers are women, and they're the ones most likely to be hit on, preyed on, uh, attacked, grown men, right? Andrew Giuliani, Greg Kelly, Dominic Carter here saying that they hesitate to take the subways now because the swagger man has no plan when it comes to subway crime. Never did. Uh, Eric Adams uh, is the nightlife mayor. He loves to sample the product, which we know is a euphemism for... (sighs) Man, that was good. But now, Lou, we need to turn to the Irish Riviera. You and Sid Rosenberg virtually live side by side. Rockaway Beach, Bell Harbor. You must take the macho maniacal test. Look, Andrew Giuliani did. Greg Kelly did. Dominic Carter said, no way. He's not getting on the subway. So I lay down the gauntlet to challenge that before you start the morning show this week, Sid Rosenberg and you, Luke, get on at 116th Street, the A train. And you start that long route coming into the city, into the the bowels of Penn Station. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be talking about that later. Kathy Crimewave Holcomb made it sound like, oh my God, it's paradise. It's Nirvana. Hold off on that. So, Lou, I expect you and Sid sometime this week to begin the trek from 116th Street. Now, if uh, when you make that turn, all of a sudden, and you're you passing Beach Channel High School. If it gets a little too risky, I'll tell you what. You guys can abandon ship right there in Broad Channel. Get out there and take a black car, you know, take a livery cab, Uh, uh, take uh, get Jeeves to drive you the rest of the way. Is that a deal? I mean, come on. 116th Street to Broad Channel. Come on, you're two tough guys. Sid goes to the gym every day, right? Let's see if Sid takes the challenge. And the reason why, again... We're never going to get back on track Is Women are the majority of the workers. they are the majority of the people who go to the restaurants, the bars. And without women and nightlife, forget about it. It's dead. No matter what Eric Adams, the swagger man, says. Here's a perfect example on the subway. Not far from where I live, Upper West Side. Not far from where tourists still go. 81st Street Museum of Natural History, right on the B train. 6.30 in the morning. This pervert. Going up and down the train, telling women, I'm going to touch anybody I want. And there's nothing you can do about it. And if anybody interferes, I'm going to stab you right in the eyes. So what happens? The B train pulls into 76th Street, and everybody flees. Grown men. I mean, they run. Naturally, the women run. And no cops arrive, which is so typical. The suspect was wearing a red and black jacket over a black hoodie with a yellow print, blue jeans, and a black cap. And notice they even have the description, the NYPD, of the umbrella he was holding, a yellow and white umbrella. Now, Lou, do you know the part of the description that is missing? The color of his skin. Of course! Come on! 80% of these guys out there, we know they're black. Why can't you just say black, black, uh, on the attack? Come on. But we have to sort of fathom whether it's a Hispanic, white, Asian, or maybe olive-colored skin or pot-marked skin. Come on, just be real, NYPD. Don't worry if you hurt people's feelings. But, you know, something, instead of making a bust of these perverts, these sexual marauders, these men preying on women in the subways... Because they want to prove to women they are not suffering from erectile dysfunction. Lou, I think uh, this administration, led by Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, because she's the softer side of the mean side. And remember, she's responsible for the MTA. It's a state agency, even though Eric Adams is responsible for the security with the transit police. Why don't we try what the Norwegians do? They have a PSA, although we can... uh, We frame it as a pervert service announcement. Stop, don't
1: touch me there. This is my no-no sweater. Stop,
0: don't touch me there. This is my no-no sweater. Stop, don't touch me there. This is my no-no sweater. Oh, this is great. You see, Norway. Stop, don't touch me You know, the Nordic countries... They uh, are so soft, and yet they were the first to come up with chemical castration uh, for rapists and sexual assaulters. So I would suggest this the Curtis remedy. Hey, perverts out there, if you misuse it, you lose it. Keep your rocket in your pocket. And NYPD. Why don't you cuff them on their three-piece set and pull them into central booking and really pull it hard. Maybe it'll detach along the way. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. So- This is classic. The diva of all divas of disco. And she earned it. Donna Summers between 78 and 80 had more hits than any other songster in the business. And this was classic because this is our theme this week at WABC as we celebrate our 100th anniversary. At a time where we did spin stacks of wax, top 40, including Donna Summer and all of her hits. And, of course, when we went talk, and it was a rocky start until about two years into it, they brought back, he was in exile, like Napoleon was sent to the island of Elba, the king of talk radio, Bob Grant. And then, as a talk radio station, we began the long climb up. I didn't have to tell you. It was Rush Limbaugh, it was Paul Harvey, it was Ed Koch. It was yours, Julie Curtis Lewa, and a whole host of others. And we became the number one news talk station in the nation. But there was a time, and it was 1999, that they were predicting the death of talk radio. And many had said, oh my God, WABC has made a horrible calculation. Less and less people are listening to talk radio. More and more people have decided to go in the direction of free-form music, play music that is of interest to them, and they really didn't want political talk, and they didn't want talk 24-7, 365. So it didn't look favorable for talk radio. And then there was one man who decided to turn that around. And in fact, uh, there was the 1999 cult hit classic, Office Space. And the character who stole the show was not Ron Livingston or Jennifer Aniston. And in fact, the show wasn't really all that popular at first until people began to see it on DVD and on cable, and then it blew up. But it was Milton, the mumbling worker, who was asked to move his dust desk almost every day Because he insisted on turning on the radio that was on his desk, the old Terrestrial Radio, Sony Radio, 3 o'clock, appointment radio, there was no podcast, and to hear the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, and he took Acosta's last stand. Milton, hi, Uh, could you turn that down just a little bit, but I was told that I could listen... To the radio at a reasonable volume from 9 to 11. Yeah, no, no, I, I know you're allowed to. I, uh, I was just thinking maybe like a, you know, personal favor. You, well, I, I I told Bill that if, if Sandra's going to listen to her headphones while she's, while she's falling, then I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm collating, uh-huh. so I don't see why okay. I should have to turn down the radio because yeah, all right, okay. I enjoy listening at a reasonable volume Thanks. from 9 to 11. No, I'm <laughs> Milton refused. He had the old terrestrial radio on. He wasn't going to listen to it any other way. He was a devotee of the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant. Three o'clock appointment radio, Monday through Fridays, and he was going to listen. And they kept moving him around from space to space. And then finally, remember his boss? Many of you who remember the movie, Office Space, with the suspenders and always the, the coffee cup in his hand came to him and told him he has to move again.
1: He said, I, I don't care if they lay me off either because I told I told Bill that if they move my desk one more time, then then, I, then I'm quitting, I'm going to quit. And, and I told Dom too, because they've moved my desk four times already this year and I used to be over by the window and I could see the squirrels and they were married, but then they switched, i C. I'm Milton. What's I, happening? Mel, we're going to need to go ahead and move
0: you downstairs into storage B. No, we I, I was uh, I have could some new people coming it, in, and no, we need all the space we can get. But
1: there's no space.
0: So to, if you could it, just go ahead and it, pack up your it, stuff it, and move it down there, but no, that would be terrific. I, I, I was new K Okay? could stay.
1: It, excuse me. Yeah, I, I believe you have my stapler.
0: He took his red stapler, almost as important to him as his terrestrial Sony radio. But what did Milton do? He said, no, I'm going to continue to listen to the radio. So they had him in the bowels of the basement, in the dark. They wouldn't even turn on the lights. And then this same curmudgeon boss with the suspenders and the coffee cup in his hand came down to check up on Milton, who would not give up his radio. Milton? Yes,
1: What's happening? I wanted to
0: say, Milton, you know what would be great? Wait, no. Since you're down here,
1: it would be really great if you could just sort of... Take care of the cockroach problem we've been having in here. No, that's really not my job, and I I haven't received my job for now. now. Why
0: don't you go ahead and get yourself a flashlight and a can of pesticide. Notice, lights were out on Milton. He had his office desk, his cubicle in the basement flooded with cockroaches, and the boss said, hey, why don't you get some raid and just fumigated, knowing that Milton himself would have to inhale that. And did Milton give up his radio, his AM radio? No. Active-minded, no. And you notice... That AM radio, WABC, did not die. They predicted it over and over. Radio is dead. Radio is dead. My, Quan, it's not dead. Oh, you got your Spotify list. You don't need radio. Not true. Oh, you got satellite radio with 50 trillion different people claiming that their talk show host and hostess is By the way, of which uh, almost all of them, you don't even know who they are. They're talking to themselves. Nobody's listening to them. We are the number one news talk station in the nation again. And I say it started with Milton, who stood up to the bosses. And remember, what was the theme of uh, Office Space, that cult movie? Let me tell you whippersnappers uh, here, Kevin Drosch, our producer extraordinaire. And, of course, you, Lou, veteran. The main message of this movie is you got to give yourself permission to do the things that make you happy, even if it's going to disappoint your employer. And that means you listen to the radio by all means necessary on the stream, on the app, on your work commute computer. What's wrong if you can multitask, do your work and also listen to W.A.B.C. because it's A.M. active minded. It stimulates your thought process. And especially the later it gets, it's theater of the mind. But I will tell you, yesterday, it seemed like it was theater of the mind. I thought that I was transported back to The Wizard of Oz. I couldn't believe it. There was Grandma, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, in the bowels of Penn Station. Now, let me set this up for you. It was a press conference that was called together by the MTA, the money-taking agency, to pat itself on the back for a limited amount of work that was done that would raise the ceilings and allow for natural light to be able to pierce into the bowels of hell. Well, it turns out, when they started the press conference, right in front of the podium, there was a puddle of water and a drip, Drip, drip of the new ceiling was so apparent. After billions and billions and billions of dollars of our tax dollars were spent, all Kathy Crimewave Hokel could do and the money taking agency was, hey, oh, we'll put a little silly putty up there. Don't worry, a little spackle, that'll fix it. And then Kathy Hokel sounded like she was in a drug induced psychosis.
1: We brought in natural light. You're starting to see my vision for the new Penn Station that takes us from the depths of hell so you can see the lights and the skies of heavens looking down upon us. And we're getting there, and it's starting in this concourse.
0: Who in their right mind, when entering into the bowels of hell, Penn Station, ever thinks that when they look up, they're going to see heaven? But this woman was hell-bent on trying through her propaganda to convince us that all the billions and billions of dollars that we spent Would eventually lead to a gateway to heaven. That's right, a gateway to heaven.
1: As you know, we've announced it'll be a single train, single level train hall, sunshine, natural light, and a 460 foot atrium and skylight. You think this is great? Imagine 460 feet upward. It is going to be downright heavenly.
0: Downright heavenly. And I said to myself, Anybody who goes into Penn Station, I don't care if you take the Long Island Railroad. I don't care if you take uh, the subways. I don't care if you take Amtrak to Celia, New Jersey Transit. There's nothing heavenly about Penn Station. But she insisted when the work is all said and done and finished. You're not going to want to come to work, Lou. You, in fact, are just going to want to stay in Penn Station like all the homeless people and emotionally
1: disturbed people do now. And when this concourse is complete in the spring of 2023, we'll have improved air circulation. Yes, you don't suffocate. You can breathe good air. Enhanced accessibility, a new elevator entrance and four new elevators. That's so important for our communities. More better wayfinding. My gosh, how many times you got lost wandering through here. Look at the nice signs. They're gorgeous. And expanded retail and dining options. It's going to be so great. You're not even going to want to go to work because you're going to want to stay in here all day. But make well, sure you get to your jobs.
0: You're going to want to stay there all day. And there's no doubt that the good fairy princess, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, is probably going to be there as you sit in the food court serving you chock full of nuts to heavenly coffee.
1: Chock full of nuts.
0: Uh, Now, can I hear that again? Because I can't believe she actually said that the workers who would pour in and out of Penn Station every day would much rather, when all the work is finished, stay in Penn Station with the homeless and emotionally disturbed.
1: It's going to be so great. You're not even going to want to go to work because you're going to want to stay in here all day. But...
0: What? Can I hear that one more time, Lou?
1: It's going to be so great. You're not even going to want to go to work because you're going to want to stay in here all day. But.
0: <laughs> and there she's like the good fairy princess of the Wizard of Oz. Remember how the good fairy princess came to, uh, oh, to Judy Garland? And she said to her, don't fear, fear not. You can come into Penn Station with your comfort animal, Toto. Fear not. We've paved the way. Penn Station is heavenly.
1: Are you ready now? Yes. Say goodbye,
0: Toto. Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes
1: and tap your heels together three times and think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like
0: home. There's no place like Ronkonkoma. I'm ready to delve into the bowels of hell, Penn Station, fight my way through the homeless, the emotionally disturbed persons, the smell, because I've been promised it's going to be a heavenly ride, although at the very last second, since most of the commuters on the LIRR are just like Judy Garland with their comfort animal Toto, she opts out. She says, I can't do it. I can't do it, Kathy Holcomb.
1: My pretty
0: and your little dog, too. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. See, acts like a princess, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, and really she's a witch. You believe this? They're trying to tell us Penn Station is heavenly. Meantime, the water is dripping from the new ceiling that we've already spent billions of dollars on to fix. And they're saying, just get a little silly putty, a little spackle. Don't worry about it. We'll have it fixed uh, in a few hours. Meantime, the other big issue affecting Kathy Crimewave wave Holcomb is is uh, she will not state categorically, if in fact she will even debate, Congressman Lee Zeldin, the Republican conservative candidate who I am supporting, and hopefully you all get your friends and relatives and family and extended family out to vote. It's the only hope to change things. She won't give a date. She's obstinate. She's stubborn. But she's no different than DeSantis down in Freedomland, Florida. Finally, finally he acknowledged, oh, I'll debate Charlie Chris one time, one time only. And you say to yourself, I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or independent. Who the hell are these officials? to determine that, well, they might debate. I thought we were all taught in school, those who paid attention to history, the Lincoln-Douglas debates. Lincoln lost the election to Douglas as senator of Illinois, but eventually went on to win the presidency of the United States. And those debates were followed over and over and over again by journalists who reported it to the rest of a hungry nation that had an insatiable appetite for information. Those two men weren't afraid to debate over and over and over. In fact, I want to give a shout-out to the borough president of Staten Island, Vito Fisella, when he was congressman. One time he debated his Democratic challenger, a man of no consequence, 12 separate times, because you have to have separate debates on the issues. You can't give... Uh, 30-second, minute, minute minute-and-a-half response. What are you going to do about the potentiality that the budget is going to implode? I mean, you couldn't even answer that question of how to balance your your personal checkbook in that time. So there should be at least a minimum of five debates, and each of them should have a topic that is important to all the voters, in which they discuss it back and forth. They have an exchange of ideas and differences. And they actually at times have a conversation instead of spewing out sound bites like Gatling guns, like machine guns, because this is uh, what has been programmed to them by their high-priced consultants who know nothing about nothing. If you are running for office, it should be a requirement, whether you are a billionaire or a beggar, that you have to submit to at least five debates. If you can't handle five debates... How are you going to handle debates when you're actually in office that take place when people are asking you, what are you doing about this project, that project, that project? What are you going to say? I don't want to answer. Well, yeah, a lot of our politicians do exactly that now. New York's talk station with the King of New York. Curtis Lewa seventy seven W.A.B.C.
1: You Yeah,
0: are nothing but a Yankee man. A blood clot. Because you were probably cheering when you saw that video of that cop in uniform assigned along the route of the West Indian Caribbean Day Parade that I went to and walked up and down it. And did you see how that woman waving a Jamaican flag, scantily clad with just a thong on, all of a sudden jumped into his lap? And was grinding him right there. Grinding him. And I want you to hear what the response of the crowd was. Now remember, this is a uniformed police officer. He's got his gun. He's got his taser. And he is grinding this female. He's not daggering her. He's grinding her. So they're telling the cop lean back, lean to back, lean back, lean back, while she uh, gives him a lap dance. Now, his gun is exposed. His taser is exposed. You would think that this is a no-no according to the police uh, guide. No, 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 no. A police rep confirmed little music here, Maestro. Confirmed that, uh, yep it is a cop was on duty they know who it was but uh, it's a okay it's culturally permitted it's uh, bonding with the community maybe daggering lap dances rumskies, skis in the West Indian Day Caribbean parade yeah though that should be permitted oh that's oh that's top shelf but apparently look Ray Kelly longest serving police commissioner 12 years the city of New York and I'll make that 13 son of greg kelly who's upcoming here when i exit uh, stage right he was asked about it and he said hey it's not unusual for cops on patrol at this lively event to get caught up in the spirit of festivities hold on what a double standard remember all the christmas parties in 2021 uh, I remember there was one up in a gin mill in Yonkers. Cops of the 44th Precinct were there. Probably some of you remember, especially cops, either retired who were presently on duty. Because the same situation involving a precinct lieutenant, Nick McGarry, and a rookie police officer infuriated these same department higher-ups. How could they be... Lap dancing right in the middle of the crowd of cops. And if you remember, the female cop, Rookie, was wearing a black and white miniskirt, cut-off tank top, and black knee-high boots. And she was grinding on top of the 44th Precinct Lieutenant Nick McGarry in that uh, Yonkers bar. Now, man... There was a hell of a price to pay. First off, this guy had to go back to his wife, right, He was married. You know she gave him hell. But then he gets transferred to transit, which is like getting transferred. That's right, Kathy, crime wave, Holcomb come into the bowels of hell. And I don't know what happened to the uh, rookie uh, cop. I think she ended up suing them. And the higher-ups in one police plaza said, messing with your subordinate is a no-no on the job. But I guess if you do the same thing with a stranger, it's A-OK. How confusing is that? But then again, with uh, Sewell, the missing in action police commissioner, everything's confusing. Enough of that. It's over the West Indian Caribbean Day Parade. The rest of the way, we're talking about our 100th anniversary here at WABC. And all week long, we are celebrating the rebirth, the resurrection of what was the number one top 40 station in the nation, most epitomized by the term at nights conducted by Cousin Brucey, And then the number one uh, news talk station in the nation afterwards, uh, as represented by the King of Talk Radio, Bob Grant. Rush Limbo and a whole host of others, many of whom are still here at this station. So I know this thing of ours is what you love. This thing of ours is what you're bonded to. And as we uh, continue to report on all the Mishigashi out there locally, regionally, nationally, throughout the globe, just know you have a friend away from your own home, twenty-four seven, three six five in the form of WABC News Talk Radio.